Hello and welcome to Season 6, Episode 8 of Twin Talk MN. I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew. And today we have a great episode because, Andrew, baseball has started. The MLB has started their first couple of games, and it is just so incredibly exciting. I cannot believe that we have baseball. If you would have asked me about two months ago if we even, what would be happening right now, I would have said that I would have been done with baseball and so upset with the lockout. But here we are. Every single team has played at least a couple of games and the MLB season is moving right along. We haven't really seen enough yet to go on. And that is why today we're going to be talking about Rookie of the Year, MVP, and our Cy Young Award winners. And maybe even a little bit of Coach of the Year talk. And just a little bit more of what we're watching going into this season. And the NBA is so close to the end. It's gotten slightly overshadowed with the MLB starting up and the Masters happening in golf. But... With the NBA coming down to the last week. There aren't a ton of things still going on. But again, there's so much to discuss. I just immediately want to jump in. And in the NFL, not much has happened. Except for one very, very sad thing that I'm just going to share now. The Steelers' possible starting quarterback for this year. Dwayne Haskins. First round pick out of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Current quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Sadly, yesterday morning was hit by a car in Florida and passed away at a very young age, below 25. Our hearts go out to the city of Pittsburgh and Dwayne Haskins and his family, as he was a great young man, regardless of anything doing with football. It is always sad to see someone go so young, especially someone with so much talent, so much promise, and such a good person on and off the field. It's really sad to see them go. Our hearts go out to the family, and hopefully everyone continues to be safe, everywhere across the world, and hopefully sports can just go back to being a fun little game and not have to be such a serious thing that requires just this to happen. But, Andrew, other than that extremely sad news, so much to get to in sports, we just have to jump right in immediately because I have a feeling it's going to be a very long podcast. And, Andrew, something else I forgot, college basketball has been decided. We know the national championship the national champion. Last time, we knew it was UNC or Kansas. Andrew, we had the game early last week. And we know the national championship. We know the national champion. Who is the best team in all of college basketball? We also found out for the women, which team is the national champion? Was it UConn or South Carolina? You'll have to wait to find out. Andrew, even though there's probably more to talk about in baseball and basketball, let's just quickly go through college basketball. Andrew, last Sunday night, we had the women's college championship Two-seed UConn versus one-seed South Carolina. South Carolina looking for their second championship. UConn looking for about the million, but in reality, just one in the teens. And it was a good game. Started out close, and a lot of people thought, even though South Carolina was favored to win, UConn, you cannot count them out after what they've done for the past years and what they have with this order squad of players this year. A lot of people thought they'd be a dominant team, but... South Carolina knew it was their year as they took an early lead and they never gave it up as South Carolina won their second championship ever. The South Carolina female game, South Carolina Gamecocks won the national championship for the women's national March Madness in college basketball. Extremely exciting. Congratulations to them. Now, Andrew, looking at the men's side, we have the UNC Tar Heels versus the Kansas Jayhawks. Andrew, the Kansas Jayhawks became extremely favored in this game. UNC might have even needed a miracle to win this game. And when the game started, it was all Kansas for the first half of the first half. 
erupting into a 10-point lead. But after that, UNC just flat-out dominated. Kansas got out to, I believe, an 11-2 lead. And then we saw UNC got out to a 40-25 lead at halftime. The game looked all but wrapped up. UNC had over an 85% chance to win. It looked like UNC was going to cruise, absolutely cruise to the national championship, which was going to be a shock. But Kansas said, nope, 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 nope. UNC, you've had a really good history. You've been amazing for the last couple of decades, but this is our time. And the Kansas Jayhawks came back in the game, cutting the lead to zero, taking the lead. And in the final minute of the game, taking their first lead since the beginning of the first half, and they won the game. That's right. The Kansas Jayhawks won the men's national college basketball tournament, winning it all, winning the championship. They are your men's national college basketball champion for the year. Extremely exciting. Andrew, anything you want to say about the men's or women's college basketball season? I mean, yeah, Ryan, just for both. Great season. So happy we can get in the full season, obviously, with the COVID-19 pandemic. And, Ryan, just so many talented athletes out there. And, I mean, obviously, I know there are some people that live for college sports. They just love how people just get filtered in and out. The coaches, the rivalries, the schools, the Michigan versus Ohio State, the UNC Duke. But, Ryan, what I'm excited for is to see who goes to the pros, who is going to the NBA, who is going to the WNBA, who is going to be the top pick in each draft, who is going to be the next GOAT of their sport. Ryan, a little bit later, we'll talk about some mock drafts for both of them. But right now, let's just move on to a pro sport. Ryan, that would be the NBA. Ryan, as of today, almost every single team has one game left. And Ryan, a couple of teams, their season is over. Ryan, tell me, are there any matchups that could be decided today? Or should we just look towards further in the week with the playing tournament in the first couple games of the first round? Ryan, what should I be excited for over today and the next couple of days? Yeah, Andrew, the Eastern Conference playing tournament is so up in the air as of right now with Slightly unsure which games have been counted and which games have not. The 7, 8, 9 seeds in the Eastern Conference and 10 seed, which all will be in the play-in tournament for sure, are all one game apart with the Hornets and Hawks tied at the 9 and 10 seed and the Nets and the Cleveland Cavaliers tied at the 7 and 18. This is going to be crucial because if you get that 7 seed, you got a game at home. And even if somehow you lose, you got another game at home. But if you're that 10 seed, you got a game away. And if you lose, you're done. And if somehow you win, you have to win another game away just to get the eight seed. Andrew, this is crazy. I'm so excited to see. Don't get me wrong. I don't think really any of these teams are going to make a big playoff push. But Andrew, as I said before, one of these teams is the Nets. And a lot of people think this Nets team could go really far. And it would be a big, big surprise if this team got out in the playing tournament. Again, Kevin Durant, James Harden. A lot of other really good young players and a lot of really good older players. This team is fascinating. Andrew, in the Western Conference, the biggest news, in my opinion, from the week, the Los Angeles Lakers eliminated, not from the playoffs, but from the play-in. Andrew, that's right. The Lakers are done. The Lakers will play the regular season, the 82 games that they are promised at the start of the season, and then they are done. Andrew, coming into this year, the 
Lakers had the second shortest odds in the NBA to win the championship. Not only are they not going to win the championship, they're not going to make they're not going to make the championship. They're not going to make the Western Conference Finals. They're not going to make the Western Conference Semifinals. They're not going to play in the Western Conference first round of the playoffs. They're not going to make the play-in. They aren't even going to play in the play-in tournament. This is ridiculous. If you follow the NBA at all, it's like if you follow a sport and this team is guaranteed to win the championship and they don't even make the playoffs. And as I've said many times in the NBA, making the playoffs is not like you're one of the best teams in the league. It is not hard. Let me tell you some other teams that are in the playoffs right now. The Spurs and Pelicans, who are ahead of them, are both literally trying to lose right now. Neither of them care. They both know they stink and they aren't trying to win. The Lakers are doing nothing of the sort. They have ruined their future. They've spent all their money, which they still have a lot more. But the Lakers are completely trying to win right now. And they are literally losing the teams that are attempting to lose. That is how terrible and horrendous this team is right now. They aren't even going to make the play-in tournament, which was specifically designed for teams that just might have gotten injured and just want a shot at the playoffs. Basically, exactly the Lakers situation. And the Lakers couldn't even make it at that. And you might say, well, maybe the Lakers tried. Maybe they really had a great end-of-season run. But Andrew, right now, the Lakers are 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. And over the last 20 games, they are one of the worst teams in the entire league. Again, this team still has LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. And Carmelo Anthony. And this team is not even going to make the play-in tournament. And they are way below teams that are actively attempting to lose. Andrew, we're going to talk about the Lakers a lot this offseason. But just, what is your initial reaction to finding out this team is not even going to make the play-in. And this was announced, not even the last day of the season, but almost a week before it ended. I mean, Ryan, obviously the news that they're not going to the play-in tournament at this point isn't shocking. I mean, for the past about month, we've been discussing that even if they were to go to the play-in tournament, probably wouldn't even escape it. And if they did somehow escape, they would have to play the Suns or a good team, which would not bode well for them. Ryan, I just want to touch on quickly just what happened. Because to us, we're going to be asking ourselves that for years to come. And I'm going to say that we're building history because personally, I'm one of the biggest disbelievers in we are currently living history. But Ryan, I think this may go down as one of the most disappointing seasons ever. I mean, one of the most disappointing teams I, I mean, just have ever seen in the history of sports. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't say this is the number one even close, because that would have to be the 2004 Lakers. But Ryan, this year's Lakers team literally had LeBron James. Now, obviously, we all know LeBron James is when he was on the Heat or the Cavs the second time around. But Ryan, LeBron James is still putting up almost 30 points per game. You have Russell Westbrook, who was like three years removed from unanimous MVP. You have Anthony Davis, who is literally putting up like 25 and 15 points per game, who is two years removed from being top three in the MVP voting. I mean, this is just crazy. But Ryan, I feel like the reason for this downfall is not Russell Westbrook's fault. It's not LeBron's fault. It's not AD's fault. Ryan, it is their GM's fault. Because when you make trades... They are super top-heavy, which for those of you who don't know, basically means where you trade for a very good player, such as Anthony Davis or Russell Westbrook, and you just 
give up so many role players. You might think, oh my god, Kyle Kuzma, he's worse than Russell Westbrook. Montrezl O'Hare, he's worse than Russell Westbrook. Um, and like Katavis Caldwell Pope, he's worse than Russell Westbrook. Brian, what about when Russell Westbrook gets injured or he can't play? You just lost three starters for nothing. Or with Anthony Davis, you literally gave away six players for him. Now, none of them are even close to Anthony Davis. But when he is playing 15 games in your year, you just gave away six free players. Ryan, could you imagine how good the Lakers would be if their starting lineup consisted of, let's just say, okay? At the point guard, let's just say, how about Rajon Rondo? I feel like that would even be good for them. Then, Ryan, after that, let's just say it's shooting guard. We would see mm, maybe, or no, sorry, point guard, Lonzo Ball, shooting guard, Josh Hart, small forward, LeBron James, power forward, Brandon Ingram, and center, let's just say Dwight Howard. Ryan, in my opinion, that team could get like the five seed. But no, this Lakers team that did so much, that's had so many chances, and they can't even make the plan. I mean, when you trade away that many role players, you are putting your all your eggs in a very, very shaky basket, aka the injury basket, and line. Sometimes it's gonna stay up. And that's exactly what happened in 2020 when they won the championship. But Ryan, right now that basket fell over and the Lakers are done. So we are so disappointed for them and of them. But Ryan, what's Talk more about these playoffs. Ryan, what teams are you really excited to watch and you think could make a run? Andrew, I think it is going to be really, really interesting just to see which teams go deep in the playoffs. I mean, when we look at this Western Conference, as I've been saying for a long time, teams the Suns are head and shoulders above the rest. And you might say, Ryan, we know they're good, but they're just a one, the two, the three, the four, the five, the six. They're right. They're all right there. They're all right next to each other. But, Andrew, the Suns are eight games ahead of the Grizzlies, who are the second-best team in the entire Western Conference. And the Suns played a majority of the season without Chris Paul. The games between the two-seed and the six-seed is closer than the one-seed to the two-seed. The games between, in the Eastern Conference, just basically everyone is even closer, literally, in the Eastern Conference from the one seed to the six seed. It's closer than in the Western Conference from the one to the two seed. That is just how close it is in the Eastern Conference versus the Western Conference. In the Western Conference, as we talked a lot about last week, the Grizzlies, Warriors, Mavericks, Jazz, and Nuggets, and maybe the Timberwolves all seem like they have at least some chance to make it to the Western Conference Finals. But again, the Suns have just been absolutely dominant this year. It seems extremely unlikely that anyone is able to beat them. In sports, I know we get this wrong a lot, but we've seen it happen so much. Devin Booker is extremely consistent. Chris Paul, personally, I think he might be the most consistent player in the NBA that really barely ever disappoints. DeAndre Ayton isn't extremely reliable, but he's fairly reliable enough. So I think they just have to go. And this Eastern Conference is absolutely fascinating right now. For one thing, a lot of these teams have moved a lot since last year, and frankly, a lot of them have moved since the start of the season. 
and at the start of the season, we saw the Bulls all the way at the top, the Raptors all the way at the bottom, the Celtics all the way at the bottom, 76ers all the way at the bottom. There's been so much movement in this Eastern Conference, I don't even know what to believe anymore. If the season had 10 more games, some crazy stuff could happen. We'll have to continue to watch this, obviously, in the playoffs. But, Andrew, one team that has been playing horrendously right now, and I just want to know from you what you think is going to happen, is the Chicago Bulls. Andrew, this team started off as maybe the best team in the entire NBA. But, Andrew, they have been terrible since then. They are 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. And right now, away, they're four games below 500. And overall, they're not even 10 games above 500. This team has had a really interesting season, and I want to get your take on what do you think they're going to go back to that start of the season form, whether at the top of the East, or whether they'll be like now, and maybe even a first-round exit. I mean, Ryan, to be perfectly honest, I think this team has all the capabilities to make a super deep run in this Eastern Conference playoffs. Now, I have to say, in my opinion, I don't see them winning the championship, because in my opinion, to win the championship in any conference, you have to be a top four seed. Now, you could be number four, you could be number one. Usually, I don't pick the number one, but Ryan, in this case, I feel like the Bulls could be one of those teams that's going to surprise a lot of people. Because Ryan, they have the scores. They have DeRozan, they have Levine, they have the big men. They have Nikola Vucevic, they have Patrick Williams, they have the point guard, they have Lonzo Ball, but Ryan, the only reason why I feel like this team has no way of going to the championship is, Ryan, let's look at some of the other top teams in the Eastern Conference, okay? We got the Heat, their best player, or second best player is a center, okay? We got the Sixers, they have the best player in the league, who is a center, and then we got the Bucks, who have another one of the best players in the league, who is a power forward. Ryan, I'm going to say the Bulls are bad at big men, but who's their power forward right now? I can't even name him. And center, Nikola Vucevic, he's looking good, but I do not think he can guard them. Ryan, tell me another team in the Eastern Conference that you are really excited about. Yeah, Andrew, one team that I just am really excited about is the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, it seems kind of dumb for me not to say last year's NBA whole champion, but I mean, I still think this team is incredible right now. And again, They've barely changed. Now, don't get me wrong. You can't just keep the same championship team and expect to have the exact same result, but you can't really expect too different of a result. And again, this team, although they have not been as dominant in the regular season as they were last year in the regular season, this year, they might have been the overall most banged up team in the league. Now, don't get me wrong. Giannis Antetokounmpo didn't miss too much. Chris Middleton didn't miss too much. Neither did Drew Holiday. But... A lot of the role players, a lot of the guys that pushes this team over the top in a lot of those close games were not there. A lot of guys like Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, Grayson Allen, a lot of those guys just did not have a chance to be able to play in a lot of important games in the season. And that is part of the reason why I think they are the two seed and only two games out of first, but they won't be able to reach it with just a game remaining for both of the top two teams. But again, now that they are healthy, I think they have a pretty decent chance to go pretty far in in this Eastern Conference playoffs. And I don't know, maybe even make the championship. We will see. Andrew, another team that I think is really interesting, I think is a huge wild card, is the Toronto Raptors. This team has been fascinating the entire year, in my opinion. They might have the worst 
best player of any team that's this deep into the playoffs I've ever seen. Now, we talk a lot about having to have a star. We say sometimes the Cavs don't have a big enough star, or the Bulls don't, or the Heat don't, or maybe even the Hawks don't, or the Hornets don't. But if you want to talk about not having a star, talk about the Raptors. This team had a one all-star this year, and it wasn't like he was a starter. He wasn't even picked to be a bench player. He was a substitute. He was literally a substitute all-star. They've one other guy on their roster who was even considered for being an all-star, and he frankly wasn't even that close. Nobody else on the roster would even be starting on most other NBA teams. But this team is a genius coach. They have maybe the best defensive roster in the entire league, and they've just been playing some really good basketball recently. So in the last 10 games, they're 8-2. A couple weeks ago, this team was guaranteed for the play-in, and now, frankly, they're in the 5 seed. They're going to be playing the 4 seed 76ers. It's going to be a close series. I'm excited. The Raptors have beaten the 76ers in most of their meetings. It's going to be a great series. I think this Raptors team has a good opportunity to make a good run and maybe even show us in 2019, although Kawhi helped them, that might not have been all about him. Andrew, with just a couple, just very, very, very few games left in this entire NBA season, what are we looking at and what are you looking at to end this season? I mean, Ryan, for the next week, I'm just going to be watching the playing tournament because we obviously now... The playing tournament does not super matter for the championship or even the conference finals. But, Ryan, to me, it matters. Let's start off with the Eastern Commons. Ryan, right now in the playing tournament will be the Nets, the Cavs, the Hawks, and the Hornets. Now, those teams are all either tied with each other or within one game of each other, which is just insane. Though the Nets season is over, and so is the Cavs season is over, but the Hawks and the Hornets, by what I'm looking at right now, both have one game left. So I guess if they win, but to be honest, really does not matter to me because the four teams have clinched. We will check out the order soon. Ryan, let's just talk about, I'll talk about this. And then if you can talk about the West, Ryan, I definitely think the Nets got to be the front runners here. But Ryan, don't be surprised if we see the Cavs come out of this and possibly pull a small first round upset. I mean, they were a super good team for most of this season, had a huge late season, just completely fell off, but I could definitely see them pulling it out in the playoffs. But I'm sorry, the Nets, if they have Kyrie Irving for every single game and Kevin Durant for every single game, I think this team is at least a second round exit. But if we see injuries, if we see other, but the Nets in the Eastern Conference, I just feel like they are a phenomenal team. And when as we say, they're in the playing tournament. Now, I think that the record obviously reflects that, but I do think that they are a little bit better than the record suggests. Ryan, let's move on to the Western Conference playing tournament. Right now, it is basically, it is 100% guaranteed who's going to be in it. But like the Eastern Conference, the order is still a little shaky. Ryan, we have the Timberwolves at number 7, Clippers at number 8, Pelicans at number 9, and Spurs at number 10. So I mean Timberwolves, Clippers, and Pelicans, Spurs. Ryan, walk me through who is going to get into the playoffs. Yeah, Andrew, right now at the 6th seed, the Jazz and the Nuggets remain tied with one game left apiece. Identical record. 
We will have to see who wins. Is I wouldn't say it's pivotal, but honestly, I might rather play the Warriors in this situation. They're 4-6 and six in their last 10 games. Stephen Curry has a decent chance not to play in the first series, and even if he does, he would definitely be A-banged up and B, not have a lot of chemistry with the team. It is going to be really interesting to see his Warriors team because over the last, basically, I would say since 2015, every time this team has been fully healthy, they've been in the championship. They've been in the championship or won the championship. And right now, that wouldn't be a shock. But they aren't really fully healthy. So we'll have to see what happens because this Warriors team is fascinating. And the four-seed Mavericks, they are surging. A couple of weeks ago, they were in the plan. And right now, Andrew, they are, they could be the three seed. They're half a game behind the Warriors. With the Warriors have two games left, and the Mavericks only have one game left. So if the Warriors win their next game, then I believe they clinch the three seed. But if the Warriors lose both, lose both, and the Mavericks win theirs, the Mavericks will take it over. So we will definitely have to see if the Mavericks are able to take that three seed, which would be huge. Andrew, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what ends up happening in this Western Conference. But again, those couple of teams in the middle, Grizzlies, Warriors, Mavericks, Jazz, Nuggets, Timberwolves, I think all of these teams have a decent chance to make it to the championship, and a lot of them also have a decent chance to get eliminated in the very first round, which is just why the NBA playoffs are so exciting. Again, the NBA playoffs, Andrew, I believe they start at the end of this week, so we'll have to watch those start. But again, the 1v8 seeds, the 2 versus 7s, we already know who's going to win them. And the 5v4, don't get me wrong, it might be close, but none of those teams are probably going to go that far in the playoffs, and it doesn't extremely matter. So again, the playoffs don't, won't extremely start for another couple weeks, but still be pretty interesting since we have, we're definitely going to see an upset or two, and we're going to see some guys' careers get defined but by what happens next. Andrew, let's move on t- from the NBA to the MLB. Andrew, the MLB finally started after the lockout, which is almost 100 days. The MLB is finally underway. Oh, sweet joy. It is incredible. There isn't really that much to look at in the standings because even the most teams in the league have only played three games right now, and I don't think there even are any that have played three games right now. So, okay, there are a couple teams that have played three games, but most teams have played two, and I think even a couple have only played one. So, Andrew, just... Biggest reactions, what have you noticed so far? I mean, Ryan, one thing that I remember from years and years and years of watching MLB first week is that, Ryan, every single year, hitters struggle. Every single year. I don't know whether it's spring training. I don't know whether it's they're not taking live pitching. Every single year, you see these stars like Christian Yelich and Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, and they're projected to hit 333 or 320 or... 290, which, for those of you who don't know, basically means out of every at-bat, they're usually, let's say they bat four times in the game, they should be at least getting a hit one to every two times a game. And a lot of them are going 0 for 5, 0 for 4, 0 for 6. And there are a lot of fans going, oh my god, what is going on with these guys? But Ryan, this is how the MLB works. This is not a new thing. This is a very old thing. And I'm not going to say the pitchers are dominating, because a lot of pitchers are also blowing up. Where, for those of you also who don't know about that term, it basically means that pitchers, they pitch maybe two, three innings, and they give up maybe seven, eight runs. It's just crazy. But they're going to settle down. 
Hendricks going to settle down. You're not going to see the Twins' 15 string catcher go for MVP because he got a one good hit. You're not going to see Mike Trout retire after this season because he started out 0 for 4. Everyone's overreacting, as they always do. So that's why we're not going to say, oh my God, you see Jazz Chase home. He hit a home run in his first game. So watch out for him this season. Now, so what? You hit a home run, congratulations. Do it again. To be honest, I love watching the MLB, but really do not know anything for at least one or two weeks. So not going to make a ton of stuff. Ryan, just tell me about some teams that you are really going to be looking for to see if they can get off to an early good start. And obviously, as you said, some teams have only played one game. So really, does not matter less what we have seen. Just tell me what are you looking for slash based on what you have seen. Yeah, well, Andrew, this offseason had a lot of big moves. We saw a lot of the game's biggest players get moved around. And, Andrew, some teams that are really interesting, one team is the New York Mets. Andrew, we talked a lot about them this offseason. Two of the best pitchers in all baseball, Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom, some of the best hitters, Francisco Lindor, and Pete Alonso. We knew this team would be good, but, Andrew, so far, they've started 3-0. and And don't get me wrong, they didn't play the Nationals, who are a pretty... Not very good team, and that's putting it kindly. But still, 3-0, again, insanely long season. In the NFL, if you're a 3-0, you're probably projected to win the Super Bowl. And here, right now, 3-0 in the MLB basically does not mean anything at all in the slightest. But again, we'll have to see what happens with them. It's going to be a very interesting season. Andrew, moving along in the NL East, or in, in the National League, when we look at the National League Central and we look at last place, the Brewers lost both of their opening games to the Cubs. Now, don't get me wrong, the Brewers, again, it's two games. We don't want to overreact in the slightest. And I might be overreacting about this, but the Brewers lost both games not close. And the Brewers are pride themselves on the two best starting pitchers in the entire movie, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, both of whom had pretty dismal starts against, and I'm putting in this kindly, maybe the worst hitting lineup I've seen in a long time of the Chicago Cubs, who are clearly in an extremely deep rebuild right now. And in the National League West, don't get me wrong, we know the Padres are going to be incredible, but one team that I'm extremely excited to watch is going to be the San Diego Padres team. Andrew, last year, with the incredible additions they made, along with having Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado and having you, Darvish, and Mike Clevenger and all these incredible players, people thought, them and the Dodgers, them and the Dodgers, them and the Dodgers. When I came into the season, it was just the Dodgers. This Padres team wasn't terrible, but they missed the play, but they barely made the playoffs. They weren't a very good team. They didn't, they were nowhere near the Dodgers when they played them. And this year, missing Fernando Tatis for the beginning of the season. It's going to be very, very challenging for them to keep pace. Again, extremely early. Haven't really seen anything yet, but it's going to be interesting. And looking at the American League, this AL East is going to be an interesting division. Four teams have a shot to make it all the way to the World Series. I would say, of all teams in the American League, I would give this... I would say the Astros are probably my number one best team in this conference. And the next four are all in the AL East. Blue Jays, Rays, Yankees, and Red Sox all have incredible teams, incredible coaching. I think all of these teams are absolutely stacked. And 
whether the Rays don't look like they have very good players but play really well or the Blue Jays have a lot of good players and we'll see if they play really well. Whatever happens, it's going to be an interesting, interesting division. As again, in some sports like the NBA, if you have a lot of good teams together, they might all make it. Here, it can't be that all of them make it. So we'll have to see. Andrew, I've talked about some teams. What are some players in the MLB that you think are going to have maybe an interesting bounce back season or just some interesting seasons that we'll have to really be watching closely? I mean, my two guys for me that I am super interested to see is got to be Cody Ballinger and Christian Yelich. I mean, right, both of these guys in 2019 were for MVP. 2020 was a super weird year. They were pretty bad. That's what I was just looking in the last year. And right, both of them were fighting off injuries. Their team was going through a weird season. And right, both of them didn't really do great. Ryan, this year, I'm looking to see if either of them can bounce back to former MVP glory. But to be honest, it is not looking good for either of them. But I hope for the sake of baseball and for the sake of me liking both of these guys, I would love to see them come back in a big way. Ryan, one guy that I cannot wait to watch this season and has already gotten off to a hot start, which doesn't mean much, but hey, rather start off hot than start off cold. And Ryan, that's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Ryan, this guy was a breakout star last year. We heard him as a big name, and Ryan, there is nothing better in sports than a rising star becoming MVP glory. Ryan, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was a, oh, watch out for this guy. Oh, in three, four years, this guy's going to rule the league. Ryan, this guy is ruling the league. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is an amazing player for this Blue Jays team, who, as you said, could have a very interesting season. And I think that all rests on the bat of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And I am super excited to see what he hits and how far he hits it this season. Really excited to see him and those other two guys for that bounce back season. Ryan, what us move on to some more news around sports. Ryan, anything you want to quickly talk about in the NFL? Yeah, Andrew, not really much in the NFL, but basically just looking ahead to the draft. I mean, right now, there is a lot of talk going on about running backs. Andrew, when I say talk, I mean in my head because there is so little going on about the running backs going into the NFL draft. I mean, in past years, it's been interesting because over the last two years, there haven't really been that many highly touted running backs. I mean, we remember two years ago, it was one of the biggest shocks I've ever seen when the only running back in the first round taken was to the Chiefs with the 32nd pick. That was a shock. And last year with running backs was even more surprising as we saw very few running backs even do decently. I mean, we saw Javante Williams taken a couple rounds later and we saw Michael Carter also taking a couple rounds in. I was shocked at just how little the running game has been looked at as drafting and just how few good ones have seriously come out of college. But, Andrew, what's going to be interesting this year is that there really aren't very many that we see. I mean, when you're looking for the top running backs coming out of college, it's guys that they say, well, the best case scenario is wholly a third-string running back on a good team. You'll get a team like, I don't know, maybe the Bills. This team has needed a running back since God knows when, since maybe even I was born. And every year, I say, look at the draft, look at the draft, look at the draft. And when Layla got the draft, there's nothing. There's so little in the draft. I mean, when you look right there, right now, all these guys seem, it best case scenario, first year, they won't be that good. 
I mean, the only notable names that I see are Kenneth Walker III out of Michigan State, Brian Robinson Jr. out of Alabama, Rashad White out of Arizona State, Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame, James Cook out of Georgia, Dalvin Cook's brother, Hassan Haskins out of Michigan, and Breeze Hall out of Iowa State. I think maybe half of those guys are going to start a game in the NFL. I'd say maybe two of them are going to make a Pro Bowl. Again, guys always surprise us. Two years ago, nobody in their right mind would have thought J.K. Dobbins, Antonio Gibson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift would all be phenomenal running backs in the NFL, but here we are. It's so crazy how so many of the game's top players are all running backs and so many of the game's brightest young players are also running backs. I mean, guys that immediately shine right out of college. Zeke Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette. Just incredible guys. And a lot of them weren't also highly touted. So I could be wrong. So please don't play this clip back to me if they end up doing well. But I'm going to stick with that. I think this running back class is fairly weak, but we'll have to see. Andrew, do you think any of these running backs could be going in the first round? And do you think there's really any names, teams that should be deeply looking at one of these guys in the first round? I mean, Ryan, I just looked at the mock draft real fast, and I could not find a single running back going in the first round. I mean, the first one I saw was Isaiah Spiller. They had him in the second round going to the Bills. Now, I could definitely see the Bills picking up a running back, but Ryan, as I talk about a lot with the NFL draft, you have to look at, is it too late to draft a guy? Like with the Vikings, I want us to draft a quarterback, but if we're not going to draft one until the fifth round, there is no point in drafting one, because if you're drafting out of the fifth round, he's not going to start. And that's the exact same thing. A running back, except for it's just more important. If you're not drafting, uh, like, a five-star running back, or whatever, however you grade it, let's say I have 100, if you're not getting a guy that's 95 or better, why are you drafting this guy? If you're going to get 80 out of 100 running back, there's just no point. And that is why I just do not see a lot of running backs being taken. I'm sure we will see a lot that will surprise us and be starters. Kind of like Travis Etienne last year where we knew he was good and we did think he would get the job, but the manager loved or the coach loved him and he gave him the job, which we'll see how that plays out. But... I just do not see a lot of good coming out of this. Ryan, let's get to some Minnesota sports. Ryan, let's get to the Minnesota Twins. Ryan, I was so excited for this season. We played the Mariners. Easy way to start off the season. Ryan, I am so, so disappointed. Ryan, I am guessing you agree with me. Yeah. Well, Andrew, this goes back to what we were saying when we were discussing the MLB. Don't overreact, especially when small things happen. Andrew, so far the Twins have had two games, as I'm guessing you were able to guess from Andrew's tone, we have lost both the games. In the first game, we played amazing after the first inning on the pitching side. In the first inning, our supposed ace potential rookie of the year winner, Joe Ryan, gave up a two-run home run to give the Mariners an early lead. And it seemed it's going to be another disappointing season for a disappointing prospect who's supposed to be the best player on a most likely disappointing team. But Andrew, from that game on, things only went up. The Twins' bats were pretty bad, but our newly acquired Gio Urshela did a home run, which put the Twins within a one in an early inning and giving us many, many innings to just score one, just one measly run, just to tie up the game. 
the Twins bullpen, which coming into the year seemed like maybe the worst in the entire MLB, absolutely flat out dominated. They gave up only a couple of hits and kept the Twins in that game inning after inning, pitcher after pitcher, strike after strike, out after out. The Twins shut down the Mariners' bats, giving only up a couple hits the rest of the game, keeping them to two runs. Andrew, the Twins hitting might not be great, but if our pitching can keep them to two runs in eight consecutive scoreless innings, that is definitely going to be a recipe for success. Now, the Mariners are an extremely weak hitting team, but again, we're going to face a lot of weak hitting teams, and we got to beat them. But the Twins lost that game. Sadly, we could not push across Another run, which was extremely annoying, but only first loss. It's okay. It happened. Andrew, in yesterday's game, Twins were playing the Mariners again. The Mariners got out to another 2-1 lead late in the game. Seemed like the Twins weren't sure if we were going to have a chance to be able to come back in the game. But Andrew, Byron Buxton comes up big with a two-run shot to give the Twins a one-run lead going into the ninth inning, the Twins up one. Now, last year, if you would have told me Twins up one, top of the ninth, playing maybe the worst hitting team in the entire MLB, I would have said, boom, Taylor Rogers, go out there, easy save, one, two, three, maybe one guy in the middle gets a lucky walk, easy win. But remember, Andrew, earlier in this week, now, this kind of flew under the radar for Twins fans, but the Twins traded their closer, Taylor Rogers, to get two other decent pitchers, Chris Paddock and Emilio Pagan of the formerly that were on the Padres. And now Taylor Rogers, he wasn't the best closer in baseball. He wasn't always an all-star, but he was still a pretty good pitcher. And I would say he was fairly reliable for the last couple of years. But now that we don't have him, we're turning to extremely unreliable Tyler Duffy. This guy hasn't been bad, but he definitely has not been good. When Tyler Duffy came into the game, I was already uneasy in the first batter he faced. Mingo Rodriguez, a rookie looking for his first ever hit. He doubles into the gap. Oh no, here we go again. Next batter gets out, runner on third, one out. All right, next batter strikes out. Two outs, runner on third. Doesn't matter if he hits it far or soft. Twins get him out, we win. Next batter gets up and he hits a double. Game is tied Runner on second, two outs. All right, so we're going to extras. That's okay, that's okay. Our bats are going to come alive. We still have more chances, and we're still only tied. Tied? We can do this. Okay, two outs, runner on second. Duffy's still in the game. And the batter gets a single to bring in the leading run. The Mariners take the lead. Four to three, taking then the lead to be winning the game over the Twins. With the Mariners in the lead, the Twins are finally able to get out of the inning, but the damage had been done. In the bottom of the ninth, the Twins went down 1-2-3, ending the game, and the Twins are currently 0-2 with the second-worst record in all of baseball. Now, again, don't want to overreact very, very early, but again, not great signs. We weren't sure if the hitting would come alive, and it has done the opposite and maybe even been worse than I ever would have imagined. Our pitching, though, has been good. But again, we're facing an extremely weak hit. These are guys that probably one, maybe two of them 
are going to hit over 250 this year. What happens when he faced the Dodgers with multiple guys hitting over 280? Hopefully, the Twins are able to turn around. But, Andrew, let's move on to the Minnesota Timberwolves, who have the playoffs coming up. As you said, we will be playing in the Clippers at home this week in the play-in tournament. I'm extremely excited. Andrew, as you said, the Clippers are an interesting team. They struggled this year, but with Paul George returning and playing for them, it won't be as easy as it might have thought to be a couple of weeks ago. Andrew, what do you think is the outlook for the for the Timberwolves, and what do you think are going to be the keys for the Timberwolves to winning this insanely important game and the most important singular game we've played in many, 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 many years? Yeah, Ryan, when my pin keys this game, number one has to be stopping Paul George. It has to be stopping him. Do not let him be an impact player in this game. Now, we've talked about this for a while. How are the Clippers so good? Because they have Reggie Jackson or, I don't know, Ivica Zubox or Norm Powell. Ryan, a lot of those guys have been injured. A lot of those guys are just being picked up because no one else is there to take the shots. So they're taking them and they're making them. Ryan, we have to force them to take the shots. We have to take Paul George out of the game. Whether Beverly's on him, whether Beasley's on him, whether McDaniel's on him, who's ever on him, has got to delete him from the game. Ryan, the second thing, it's got to be Carl Anthony Towns. Now, to be honest, I do not love the Timberwolves in a one-game playoff because Carl Anthony Towns is one of those guys where if he starts getting into foul trouble, if he gets two quick fouls, he starts getting angry with the refs, Ryan, that game's over right then and there. Because if that's the sort of place they were playing in, and Ryan, that's playoff basketball right there. Now, let's not forget that the Timberwolves have literally played in what? Four playoff games in Colony Towns' career? Ryan, this guy's not used to big games. And he's only had, what, maybe six games where a playoff spot has been on the line? Because it was obviously that year we made the playoffs. There was game 82 against the Nuggets where we had the win. Ryan, I am not loving this one-game thing for the Timberwolves. But if our shooters get hot, if Cat starts to do well, oh, man, I cannot wait to watch that. Ryan, my overall prediction is I do think the Timberwolves will win this game. I think it will be a very close game. I think we'll see a surprise start from the Clippers. But I think Anthony Edwards is going to have a huge game after his game against the Spurs a couple of nights ago. Ryan, I am so excited for this game. I believe it'll be on Tuesday night. And I cannot wait to see if the Timberwolves make the blast, get the seven seed, and hopefully, hopefully pull that first round upset. But hey, step one, getting the opportunity to play in the playoffs. Step two, we'll see once we get through step one. Step one, beating the Clippers when we play them. I, as I said again, I believe it's Tuesday night, but just cannot wait to see these Timberwolves. And Ryan, just want to say, as we conclude talking about the Timberwolves, Ryan, how proud I am of these Timberwolves. I mean, I just remember when we were first talking, we were saying, if we can get close to the playing tournament, if we can get the 9 seed, the 10 seed, good season, we got to develop Cat, Cat, develop Ant, Ryan, Ant has dropped two games over 47 this year. If you're not saying that's developing, I don't know what is. Cat just dropped 60. He was a clear all-star. Ryan, I'm hearing all-NBA third team for Carl Anthony Towns. That would be amazing. I've even seen a couple all-NBA second teams, top 10 MVP voting. Love that so much. Yeah, Andrew, 
as you were saying, at the start of the year, when we were saying, as long as they get close to playing, we're fine. But Andrew, in reality, that would have been extremely exciting. It would have been fine a couple years ago. But again, is I know Andrew doesn't like to hear, but sometimes you got to hear it. Carl Towns isn't that young of a guy anymore. He's not that young guy who's going to conquer the league for a decade. Andrew, I'm not going to say he's getting up there because he's not, but he's what, 26, 27? D'Anto Russell's also around that age. Both of those guys, I'm not saying they're getting ready to move on, but I'm saying that they're getting ready to get ready to consider to move on. And if this year, I'm guessing that we won't get out of the first round, and frankly, I'm okay with that. Hopefully next year we can have a slightly better team. Hopefully just continue to have everyone stay healthy. If Amphiards really break out, again, he's the guy that right now, I think he is going to be the X factor for our team next year. We know Cat's going to hopefully make another All-Star. DeAndre Russell will hopefully have another borderline All-Star season. But if Anthony Edwards can take just one slightly bigger, one more step, this team can really take it far. And I think this year showed us. As we talked about at the start of the season, I can literally remember myself and Andrew saying these words. If we stay healthy, we will make the playoffs. And what happened? Garanty Towns, what? How many games did he miss this year? What? Five? Ten at the most, maybe? But he never missed more than three, four in a row. And that's the first time he's done that, I think, maybe even in his career in a season. And look what happened. D'Angelo Russell. I think he might have had a couple injuries this year. But that's why we got Patrick Beverly. D'Angelo Russell has looked amazing this year. Anthony Edwards, last year, he missed a decent amount of time. This year, he's looked very good, and I love the way he's looking this year. He's been incredible, and that is another huge reason. Andrew, as you said before, so proud of these Timberwolves. Again, we want them to make the playoffs. They've done it. They've made the playoffs for the first time in a couple of years. Extremely happy to be a Timberwolves fan. Very proud season. Whatever happens in the play-in tournament, even if we lose, which I'll be very disappointed, I'll still be okay because the team is getting better. And again, even if it's small, even if it's slow, even if it's a little, we're getting better. Things are looking up. Hopefully, things continue to change. Andrew, we seem to be nearing the end of our podcast. Anything else you'd like to say before we move on to the birthday of the day? I mean, Ryan, just talking about with the Timbers for a little bit longer, Ryan, I feel like what we have in Anthony Edwards is super special. And what we talk about with Carthy Towns, Ryan, I, I think we 100% both agree that Carthy Towns is better than Anthony Owens right now. But Ryan, how long have we had Cap? What, he was drafted in 2015? So I'd make this his six, six and a half season, as you could call it. Ryan, Anthony Owens was drafted in, what, it was like 2020. Ryan, what Anthony Owens has done in two years has almost equaled what it took Carthy Towns six years to do. Now, I think that Carson Towns next year, or sorry, Anthony Edwards next year might become our best player. Ryan, if he can keep climbing that step ladder and by his sixth, seventh season, I think he might be one of the rulers of our league, along with LaBello, Luca, and Trey, and Giannis. But Ryan, obviously that's a long ways away. Now, big things, obviously, for this playoffs is making sure that we keep our stars happy. Now, obviously, it would be really disappointing if we were loose. But we have to lose well. We can't get blown out by 50. Can't get blown out by 20 and lose our composure. We have to play good games. And if we lose, make it a close loss. And if we have to lose, lose with our heads up and make sure that we go into next season with 
a drive and a fire trying to do even better. Ryan, let's move on to the birthday of the day. Ryan, say the birthday of the day is Nerlens Noel. Who exactly? Ryan, Nerlens Noel is an NBA player. He's a center for, I believe he's currently on the New York Knicks, but he moves around a lot because he is not one of the better players in the league. Ryan, Nerlens Noel is known for basically one thing and one thing only. Ryan, he is one of the top shot blockers in the league. He is just amazing at defense. Anytime that ball goes up, you know he is close to it, and you know he's going to try his best to swat it. Ryan, a couple of years ago, Nerlens Noel had a really good couple games in a row where he was getting some really good block numbers. And a couple of analysts were saying, wow, though we haven't seen those block numbers since Hakeem Olajuwon, Kevin Garnett, and Ryan, some other teams did not take that lightly, the comparison of this guy who was coming off the bench versus one of the best players of all time. So a couple of teams did a little digging. And the team that they had to play next, Ryan, they had a guy go to Noel and say during the game, how are you being compared to a guy when you're averaging 20 less points than him? Ryan, at the time, Norris Noel, when he had that insane block streak a couple years ago, he was averaging 8 points per game. Ryan, Hakeem Olajuwon, I believe his career average was somewhere around 24 and in his best MVP season. Ryan, he was doing upwards of 29. Ryan, that is just crazy to think about, but what makes you think about if you are a specialty player, if you just can do one thing, and you can do it that well that you're getting comparisons to Hakeem Olajuwon, Kevin Garnett, who cares what everyone else says, who cares if you're averaging 20 less points, if you are getting into the lineup, that is all the match, happy birthday, no one's well. keep on doing your thing, and keep on blocking shots and blocking insults, Ryan, that basically concludes the end of our podcast, but Ryan, the MLB is underway, and we cannot wait to see what happens next. The NBA. Ryan, we have the playoffs. We have the play-in tournament coming up. I cannot wait for all of this week and next week on Twin, Twin Talk, Talk MN. MN.